You're listening to the Roundup Podcast, recorded here at 12345 Inwood Road. I'm Editor-in-Chief Connor Thomas. On this episode, a little bit of news and sports. Josh Batanzos and Evan Oshowitz are here to talk Jesuit and Cowboys football. And later, an interview with Mr. Shoemaker about college night. It's the week of October 2nd. And welcome to the Roundup Podcast. Um, I'm here with Reed Zimmerman. He's our associate editor for a couple weeks here in the first semester. Um, how you been? Uh, pretty good. We're getting the show hammered out for band, and we have a competition coming up in about two weeks, and so I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd say the part of the biggest news in, in the past couple weeks has been uh, community days. Um, us seniors have, have left uh, you guys, the juniors, um, to be heads of the campus for for about a week last week we left um tuesday through thursday we were gone um on retreat on community days and overall consensus i've been talking to a bunch of guys it's it's been great um everyone's everyone's really loved it um great experience i think the faculty I, i get the general impression that they thought it went very well too the the faculty that were there um but it's it's been pretty great um reed what else has been going on this week on Wednesday, September 27th, seniors Connor Thomas, Jack Patrol, Peter Hunley, and Nicholas Wilson gave presentations on cutting-edge biological research they performed over the summer at UT Southwestern. The STAR Summer Research Program lasted eight weeks. Fifty-two students from around the Metroplex each were assigned a research project and mentor. Connor, you researched aging in yeast. Do you have anything you'd like to share about the program? Well, it was a really great program. I mean, we got to meet a bunch of different people from a bunch of different schools. Um, there, there were the four of us there, but um, there were, um, as you might have said, like 52 students in total. And um, they were from everywhere. I met a guy from Midlothian. I met a girl from Stephenville. Um, there were a bunch of people from um, like Hockaday and Ursuline, but not just those schools. We, we had like public and private represented. It was a, it was a really great, really diverse crowd. And um, We made some great friends. I'm still in contact with a lot of them. Thank you, Connor. Applications for the STARS Research Program will be open next semester for interested juniors. Contact Ms. Boyle or Mr. Vaughn or Ms. Sanchez for details. And in other news, um, about a couple weeks ago, right before we went to Community Days, we had a college night. And since then, we've had a bunch of college reps coming in and visiting with seniors who are getting ready to apply, apply to college. Um, and on that note, um, later in the podcast, um, I'll be showing an interview that I had with uh, Mr. Shoemaker. He's a college counselor here on campus, and um, he'll be speaking about college night and what that is and how it went. But before that, we'll be having Josh Batanzos. He's the Viewpoint Editor for the Roundup, and Evan Oshowitz, um, who um, will be coming on to talk about sports. Um, Jesuit football just finished up their non-district play and is about to go into districts. They're going to talk a little bit about that, and I think they might also touch on the Cowboys. So, Evan, Josh, take it away. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the sports section of the Roundup Podcast. I'm Evan Oshowitz. Uh, and I'm Josh Batanzos. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is your Jesuit Rangers football of course, the Rangers have gotten off to a tough 0-3 start to the season, and they opened up district play at the Coppell Cowboys this Friday. Josh, can you give me a quick summary of how the first three games have gone for our Rangers? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. So our first game was against DeSoto. We, you know, started out a bit slow. We were down 21-6 at the half, but then the Rangers saw uh, a great comeback. We scored, outscored DeSoto 30-20 to in the second half, but we could not make a comeback, so we ended up losing that game 41-36. to But, you know, there was great play all around from the Rangers on offense. You know, senior quarterback Parker Towns, he threw for over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, you know, the Rangers ran the ball very well. Matthew Pretty, uh, EJ Smith almost ran for 170 yards combined. So a lot of good things happening on the Rangers offense, Evan. Yeah. That is true. Although, um, of course, being the first game of the season, it was um, it was a little bit of a tough adjustment for for both teams. Uh, there were a few turnovers uh, in that game, uh, but Parker looked very sharp. Um, he had some action uh, as as the starter last year due to injuries, but um, he struggled a little bit with nerves. No sign of that uh, to open up that game. Um, but the defense really needs to play better if the Rangers want to do what they did last year and go 7-0 in District again, which I think is a fully attainable goal, um, given the strength in uh, in District 96A, or lack thereof. Coppell's a very good team, though. They they hung with Allen for three quarters uh, in one of their early season matchups. What can we look for um, this Friday for the Rangers if they hope to beat the Cowboys? Well, I mean, I think that they need to continue, you know, that same versatility that they have on offense, you know, just utilizing all those players that they have, you know, senior wide receiver Fletcher Rosenbleeth, Again, Matthew Pretty, E.J. Smith, all these weapons to help spread out the field and, you know, not um, have all that double double coverage on, you know, those certain players. Make the Coppell defense really work, uh, work the Rangers on offense. Uh, if we can do that and really have Parker Towns you know, have a great game, then the Rangers look to come out with a win. And again, the defense needs to step up. And Coppell is uh, primarily a, a rushing team on offense, and they've struggled with teams that have leaned towards the run early in the season, like Plano East. Uh, their, their, their running back attack just absolutely obliterated the Rangers. They really need to step up this Friday. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. The Plano East Panthers outrushed us 474 yards to 161. That is their main source of offense. And, you know, credit to the Rangers. For the first three games of the season, they stuck. They had to play some of the hardest teams in the state of Texas in football, and they stuck with them. So, you know, preparing for these in-district games, the Rangers have, you know, figured out some things to work on, but, you know, the offense looks sharp. If the defense can improve, they look to go 7-0 and in district. All right. Do you have any bold predictions for the Rangers this season, Josh? Well, uh, you know, I predict us to go 7-0 and in district like we did last year. I think that Coppell will be a, a good game for us, you know, first home game since the DeSoto game. I think that we come out with a win. And then I think that we close out district uh, undefeated. Heading into the playoffs, uh, I'm not sure what the playoff matchups will look like, but, you know, I think that we maybe make it to the first or second round. I mean, this defense really does need to step up its play. We need to see the seniors and junior leadership on the defense, you know, start making bigger plays um, in these district games, yeah. I agree with you. I think this team's only going to get better as the season goes on. Um, one of the main issues that I've identified so far with the defense is that there aren't a lot of returning starters. A lot of the guys are sophomores and juniors. So I think as they as they garner experience as the season goes on, the team will just get better. And I think that for the first time since 2013, they will make it to the third round of the playoffs. No, that, that is a bold take. And, you know, these, these seniors, they can help mentor these younger guys. I think that, you know, sophomore linebacker Tommy Roy, he had a very nice game against Plano East in the Cotton Bowl. If he can continue to develop, and, you know, senior linebacker uh, Hank Bitterman, or is he a strong safety, Evan? Uh, he kind of plays a hybrid role. He is an outside linebacker by name, 
um, but he played safety last year, and they kind they use him in coverage more often than they do in blitz packages. So he's kind of in between. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if we can have you know the senior leadership on the team, uh, you know, these captains really take take hold of the defense, show the guys what the system is all about, and improve over the course of the district uh, district season, then we can see the Rangers potentially make you know a third round visit in the playoffs. All right, so from the Coppell Cowboys, uh, let's go to the Dallas Cowboys. They played a game on Monday night in Arizona against the Cardinals. It ended in a 28-17 victory. Uh, can you give me a brief summary of how that game went for the Cowboys? Well, I mean, you know, coming off of a bad loss in Denver the week before, losing by, I think, maybe 25 points, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys really looked not sharp at all in that game. The rushing attack, the passing attack, Dak Prescott looked really off. And then coming into Arizona, they needed to step it up and send a message, you know, showing that they were coming back as the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott really played a good game in that uh, in that second half. I think that he threw a couple different touchdown passes to Bryce Butler and Des Bryant. Uh, I mean, his passes like were right on point in that game. So good play from him. And, and even though this counts uh, as as a win in the, in the record for the Cowboys, I still regard this game as a major disappointment for them. This is a team that thinks they can contend, and there's really no excuse for only beating that team by 11 points when the man who represents effectively 95% of their offense is out for 13 weeks with a wrist injury. Um, the Cardinals had a terrible offseason by all accounts. They didn't improve their team. Uh, the pass protection was an absolute disaster. One of the um, sort of surprise bright spots for the Cowboys was defensive end Demarcus Lawrence. He had three yeah. sacks in that game. Um, absolutely stifled any rushing attack that the Cardinals hoped to produce and really gave Carson Palmer a really tough, tough night. Um, there's really no excuse for only beating the Cardinals by 11 points. I mean, if you're a contender, that's a gimme. You should win by at least three touchdowns. And it really took them a while to get going. They didn't score a touchdown until late in the second quarter against a really pedestrian Cardinals defense. Um, so you really need to do better if you're looking to contend in a really, really tough uh, uh, NFC East division where there's uh, three teams currently tied for the lead. Yeah, and I think that this this Cowboys team will only continue to develop. I think that this upcoming game Sunday against, I think it's the Rams, um, I think that they're going to you know have a great game against them. The Rams defense, you know, it's not one of the best in the NFL. So I think that maybe Ezekiel Elliott, he's going to look to have a, a good bounce back game from, you know, the early in the season where he has struggled. Uh, but this defense really does need to step it up. I know that, you know, Jeff Heath went out with an injury, although that's not, you know, too much of a loss for the Cowboys. I mean, but this defense does need to step it up. I saw Sean Lee. He was one of the only ones making huge plays other than Demarcus Lawrence. This defense does need to, you know, have some all-stars on it in order for it to be a true contender. And the secondary really did struggle in that game. And for a yeah. team that really believes that they can contend and really wants to contend badly after um, after a rough five years or so, uh, say for last season, you have to wonder if what they have in the secondary right now is going to be enough moving forward. I mean, obviously they think very highly of Byron Jones, otherwise they wouldn't have spent that first round pick on him. But other than that, you've got an aging Orlando Skandrick who has really struggled to stay on the field, be it because of suspensions or injuries. Um, you've got Anthony Brown who has struggled uh, so far in, in his uh, one season, um, give or take, in the NFL and Chidobi Awuzie has barely seen the field this year, so you really have to wonder if this is going to be enough um, if the Cowboys hope to contend in the near future. Well, uh, Evan, it was uh, good talking Cowboys football and Rangers football. We look for everyone to hopefully go out to the Coppell Stadium to see the Rangers take on the Cowboys, and then the week after, October 6th, the Rangers come back to Postel Stadium to take on the Richardson Eagles for the 
second home game of the year for the second district game. Uh, come out and support your Rangers. And yeah, that'll just about do it. I'm Noshwitz. And I'm Josh Batanzos. So I don't really know how to start this, but... I think that's pretty good, Connor. Yeah, and saying that you don't know how to start it is a good way of starting it? Yeah, it's probably a good way to get us going here. Okay, so so for people that don't know, could you just start by explaining a little bit about what College Night is? Sure, so uh, it's been a tradition, I don't don't know the the complete history of it, but uh, for all the Catholic high schools in the area... um, with the exception of Bishop Dunn, who does their own college fair, uh, we kind of all get together to allow um, colleges and universities to have like a one-stop shop um, so that they can go and uh, present themselves to prospective students. And so College Night Origins, that idea is a way for um, colleges and universities to send representatives and have access to a variety of um, schools and students in, in one location. So how many colleges do you think come? I think, guy, I think we had 240 registered. Of course, Hurricane um, Hurricane Irma prevented most of the Florida schools from being there, and so that was about six or seven that weren't able to make the trip. But we had almost 12 walk-ins. We're close to 250 schools mm-hmm. uh, that were represented on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And how many students do you think? Uh, it's normally, I think we estimated about 2,000 parents and uh, students and their families when you include the parents and everything. And so, you know, you have... 250 college reps and 2,000 students and and parents and and parking is is always fun and then mm-hmm. and then people walking around so it's a really exciting night. There's also a board of trustees meeting that happens that night as well. So it's a it's a really active time to be on campus. And when did college night first start? Like how did they get the idea to do this? You know, I'm not entirely sure the the whole history of college night. This is my fourth year here. Uh, the four years prior to that, I was a participant for Spring Hill College at, in in College Night, and as far as I know, it's been going back for years and years and years before that. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, Coach Fitz or Mrs. Miller would probably have a better idea, but as far as I know, it's been going on for probably at least 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so you have some colleges uh, come and they give information presentations in various rooms or the information commons or something. Um, do you know how those are chosen? Like, how does yeah, yeah? So we have the the setup of the fair. It's really interesting, and we, the the schools really have their ability to choose what they want to do. And so there's three browsing areas. Um, we could probably have more browsing areas if we had more space <laughs> to to host them. And then we give some schools the option to do large presentations or have a private classroom. Most of the time, the schools that choose that, so like Texas A&M and the University of Texas at Austin, obviously, um, if they were in the browsing areas, there would be long lines. Um, They'd have to have lots of representation. And so um, we give them the ability to present in um, both Hughes Hall and in the lecture hall. the classroom presentations, those are done by college requests. So whether you're a, a really well-known school like Georgetown's or Wake Forest's, that um, the real prestigious ones, sometimes they like to do that because there's a lot of questions and a lot of qualifications that come with applying to a school like that. 
Um, and then sometimes some smaller schools or specialty schools will request a classroom. And then our local private schools, like uh, SMU this year, they did a classroom presentation where they could get into a little bit more detail and present for a long time. But they also had tables in the browsing area. And so some schools like to do both. Yeah, so I guess it requires a lot of um, like preparation for that day, right? So could you maybe chart out the day of college night? Like how, how does it get started? Like when do the college reps arrive? Oh, sure. Well, so the, the preparation for it actually begins months before that, and that's with Mrs. Miller. Um, we would not be able to have college night without the participation of really the whole faculty and staff. But Mrs. Miller is the one who sends out the invitations, um, collects the inquiries. Also, college reps will call in and ask if they can come. So she screens participants and makes sure they know what's going on. So she is really the, the MVP of the whole evening. Once it gets closer to the date, um, we have tables delivered to the um, – to the school, we have to we have to, you know, rent goodness two hundred and fifty tables so that everyone can can have a spot to be there. Um, the coaching staff and and um, and Coach Cook over in athletics do a great job of having the freshman class uh, set up all the tables and do that. And of course, Mrs. Miller's right down there organizing all that, making sure they're put in the right places that the that the mats go down. Um, college reps uh, typically start arriving about 6 p.m. Uh, the Mr. Host and the uh, ambassadors do a great job of helping the college reps find their stations, uh, carry their materials in for them, get them set up, make sure they have water. The fair itself runs from 7 to 9, and then after the fair, there's actually a reception for the um, college reps to get a bite to eat because they've been standing on their feet and talking and, and, and enjoy a um, enjoy a refreshment and be able to um, communicate with one another which they always enjoy being able to catch up mm -hmm. is it is it difficult to coordinate all of those college reps and like I know you have to like de develop uh, relationships with all of them I see them coming through the mm -hmm. office and, and stuff like that is that difficult yeah so one of the hardest parts I guess a unknown portion to the to the student body sometimes with college night is is that the, um, the representatives come in and they travel and there's a series of college fairs at other schools. So like Monday night, Highland Park High School had their big college fair. On the same night as ours, um, uh, Plano ISD had their big college fair and it's all part of the TACRO Tours Week. And so what happens is to help the college reps understand what's going on and plan their travel schedules. And so many of them come in from out of town. Um, the schools and school districts in Texas agree that, um, so this week was Dallas week one for college fairs, and so we all organized the fairs um, that they'd be on separate nights so that people could maximize their time. Uh, next week, all of those reps actually on Friday, tomorrow, are going to be driving down to Austin um, to start the Austin week, and then after that they'll be in Houston, and then I think they come back for Dallas week two where they do Fort Worth and some other things is, is sometimes how that schedule goes. Uh, so with that, um, since Jesuit here, we allow for um, college reps to come in and visit with seniors. They're all in town on the same few days. And so um, Coach Fitz and I have been visiting with almost 60 different colleges that have done private visits throughout the school day. And so on um, Monday, we had almost 30 30 schools come by and say hello and do that. So managing the relationships, some of them come from um, – you know, God, when I was 
working on the recruiting side, so I know some of these um, professionals from they've either switched universities or sat next to me at the the college fair when I was working them. Uh, Coach Fitz has been here for years, so he knows some of the the lifers, I guess, if you'd call them that. Uh, And then a lot of times, though, there's a lot of turnover, and so there's a lot of young and new reps. And so it's mostly about making yourself available, having a chance to let them explain what their school can offer our students. And then we do a lot of sharing with them about what our student body is like and comprised of and and what they can bring to their universities. And you kind of said there that Plano ISD had their college fair Mm -hmm. at the same night. Was there a competition for... You You know, no. I mean, honestly, some schools may have gone to the Plano ISD Fair and some came to ours. It's really about, you know, we invite uh, just about every school that's ever come to to come back. And then there's schools that uh, walked in that didn't maybe hadn't had an invite um, before. And so we always we welcome everyone to come. Some schools will send multiple representations to Dallas this week. And so it wouldn't have been uncommon to have a staff member from an institution in both locations on Tuesday night. And then the other thing that happens is there's a lot of alumni representatives that'll come and help a college out. And so they'll represent their school at one fair since a representative might not be able to be in two places at once. Um, I don't, there's not really much of a competition because if, if colleges and universities are given a chance to, to connect with high school students, then it's really better for everybody. And so um, it's really important that, we all work together in this industry to make sure that, that you guys, the students, have the most ability to um, communicate with and be exposed to the, the most amount of colleges and universities you can. And and how do you think it went on Tuesday? Did you hear it? Was, oh, it's always well? an awesome night. You know, it's really it's 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 funny. Coach Coach Fitz and I joke. You know, we were here from seven a.m. to pretty much eleven p.m. on Tuesday <laughs> night, uh, which isn't uncommon with a lot of, of of schedules around here. But it was fantastic. I mean, the the feedback that we get from college reps talking to not just you know the Jesuit students who they always glow about, but um, the the students from Ursuline and, and Bishop Lynch and JP2 and now Christo Ray Highland Cistercian, you know, they always just, just glow about um, how wonderful of an event it is, how wonderful you guys are talking to them. Um, and so we've gotten a lot of great feedback from both students, parents, and the, and most importantly, the college reps who just, who, who really appreciate the opportunity to um, recruit the great students in, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so this has been like one major project. What other things are you going to do now? What's like the next sort of thing college-related that you well, have so, to Yeah, I get, that's a great question. The next big uh, college-related process we're doing right now is just assisting the senior class with applying to, to schools. And so, you know, s- September comes the first application deadline from the National Association for College Admissions Counseling, which is NACAC, is on October 15th. So that's the first day that colleges are allowed to assign priority to applicants. And so we're working through our senior guidance classes right now. Um, we're working with one-on-one meetings with seniors and families. We're reviewing essays and resumes and, and trying to put a process down to have everyone ready to start submitting their applications by October 15th. Um, also, the financial aid process will start. So we have a, an event that we run concurrently with some of the private schools in North Dallas. It's coming up in October that's a financial aid presentation, so that'll be that'll be happening, and, and, and families will receive notification of that pretty soon to little reminders. We have the parent meetings that just happened. We'll have more coming up in January, so this is the busiest time of year for mm-hmm. us. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for the interview. Um, that's all I have.
uh, do you have any other closing remarks? No, I don't think so. Thank you very much. This is awesome, and I'm, I'm excited to have a, a podcast to listen to on, uh, on my drive home. All right, cool. That's it from Grayson and I. Uh, visit us online at www.jesuitroundup.org or you can email me at 18327 at jcpstudents.org. Um, <laughs> see you soon. Uh, Grayson, stop laughing. Oh, God. I'm crying right now. I can only imagine what that sounded like. Is it still recording? Oh, okay. I'm All just right. going to make this the outro. <laughs> that yeah, would be I the think... funniest outro. <laughs> this We're was good. Great, great, great job, guys. Oh, good job. Everybody's good.